I just opened the athletes and I'm Harmon's bullying quads in it for being one year old and it's like or for being young and it's like who the fuck let you make jokes about other people being young yeah. wait what I want to talk about that like you know okay. what okay Elliot the one so just talk. pulled up the athletes from last or from Friday's game yeah yeah and Harmon has a joke in there about how young quads is Which, just like, and it's like you guys are both like in high school so. <laughs> it's it's very grade it's very like grade 11 making fun of grade 9 energy like at the time yeah, that's exactly yeah. what it is <laughs> like, like i'm sorry okay like, so wait speaking of quads can you tell that jet woo story uh oh yeah okay yeah you got me rolling um basically i just remember one night i think it was during a, some rough rough canucks game i don't sure. remember which one yeah but it was one of those games where like everybody was like, this is going to be a doozy. Like, this is not going to go down well. And Wyatt, I think, noticed that Jet Wu, who is playing for the comments right now, was on Twitch uh, playing playing Chell. And I opened it up and uh, yeah, there's only like 50 of us. And it was the first, it was like one thing about Twitch, like I have usually watched Twitch streams where it's like thousands of people watching and okay. it's just a stream on the side of like a million comments. I'm like... This is like watching this, this, one of the stock market things, like tickers. Like, like how do people keep track of this? Like, how are you actually, like, I hear about Twitch as like, oh, it's the person actually kind of responding to the fans as they're playing whatever they're doing. But this one was like 50 people, and it was actually like that. Like, it was a lot of fun. A lot of people were asking him cool questions about him, about the Canucks, about um, who he's friends with and stuff. There's a lot of great stuff and a lot of great clips. And at one point, a bunch of people were saying hey can you wish quads a happy 12th birthday and <laughs> that woo doesn't keep track of who david quadrelli and the manager of the canucks army is of course not so he's like yeah absolutely and like the chat goes nuts and he's like wait a minute he's, while he's playing Charlie, he's like wait a minute am i being trolled and like, <laughs> just great responses and lots of other stuff happening and then at one point okay context utica northern new york state and if you're a simpsons fan you've heard of this city only because of the steamed hams joke where yeah. 22 and I shorts put, films about springfield one of the greatest yeah. uh and, i just watched it again the other day and the funny thing is that like oh yeah i sort of sort of interject but Please. like uh you did you tried to do this bit with me on the show once and i totally <laughs> had no I? idea what you were talking about because <laughs> like like even still now you know i i like the simpsons i think it's really funny and I particularly think that, like, when it's on, it's incredibly on. But I didn't watch it really when I was a kid, other than, like, at other people's houses. Because okay. I had those weird parents that wouldn't let me. So the mm -hmm. first time you were like, oh, it's more of a Utica expression. I was just like, what? And then also you were you were interrupting me trying to say something. So I was just <laughs> like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Anyways, it's not important. I just thought for, for uh, no, just good to, context. For context... Like, I, I think Jet Wu probably gave you the response most people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, I was like, do you know any Utica expressions? <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I, I was like, please don't look at my comment. Please don't look at my comment. And he does. And he's, he's very, like, clearly confused. <laughs> but not sure that I'm trying to troll him. He's like... He's like, I don't know he's if like, I would have even picked up that's what you're trying to do if I didn't know you. Yeah, I know. Me neither. I would just. I think you needed to like lead in a little bit more. 
<laughs> I am truly only trying to make myself laugh. Anytime that is I'm the best be way playing. of doing anything. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, it's it's why I don't stop with it. Um, and so he, yeah, he's really like, uh, Utica expressions. And I'm like, oh no, oh no. I think I would just ask him if he's had if like what the best steamed ham place is in Utica. Like, so so that is exactly what I said next. Oh, okay. I said, do you know any places where you can get a good steamed ham? And he's like, steamed ham? Are there any good burger places here? Does anybody know any good burger places in Utica? Oh, so it didn't work. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And but he's like so earnestly asking, and I'm like, oh god. He's like, wait, somebody trying to troll me? And I'm like, (laughs) poor kid. And I, I know that's a child, right, (laughs) Bias? I'm bullying a a racialized child. (laughs) Um, And yeah, (laughs) eventually I was like, Jet, uh, I'm just going to come clean. I was trying to make a Simpsons reference, but I'm sorry. It didn't, it didn't land. <laughs> I won't, I will stop bothering you. <laughs> and so he's like, funny. no worries, but <laughs> oh I'm actually, I didn't watch much Simpsons. I'm actually a big family guy fan. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> oh God. And then everybody, including a uh, friend of the show, Reneal, by the way, who's the one who found the Ruslan Fedotenko thing. Yeah. That's um, right. yep. And who fed it to us. So we're kind of like the fed first to Anko. Oh, it's pretty good, actually. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> um, fed it to somebody else, too. Am I right, guys? Whoa. Uh, Reniel did that one. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, everybody called me old. You are old. This is the thing that... That's true. Rachel's been, Rachel's been freaking out recently because, like, the Zoomers are finally old enough to make fun of us. Mm-hmm. Right. And so she read that fucking article or whatever you know the one that like was making the rounds recently about like here's what zoomers think is like here's what they make fun of about millennials or whatever which like oh yeah first of all like teenagers didn't think i was cool when i was a teenager so what the why do i why would i give a shit Mm -hmm. and then second of all like i'm an adult these people are children i don't care what they think is cool like (laughs) i've i'm not i care what i think is cool (laughs) you know like but but it was a real i guess she's a little bit younger than me she just turned 25 and so it was like more of an crisis for her i guess but like like she just came out one day and she her hair is just like parted down the middle (laughs) and i'm like what the fuck are you doing (laughs) and she's like oh like what do you think and i'm like I think your hair looks fucking stupid. <laughs> what are you doing? Because like, the thing is, is that like, okay, so first of all, all the things that the Zoomers like think look good all look like shit. So like they have bad taste. It's unsurprising. They've literally dressed themselves for like five years. So like, yeah, they're, they're, of course, they're oh, man, I've been seeing be teenagers walking down the street in Victoria these days. And I'm like, those teenagers look like they're from a movie. Where they're playing teenagers. Absolutely. You ever notice this? Yes. Yeah. Hundred percent. Folks heard about. Um, and but like, uh, so like I don't. I think the center part looks like. Sh- well, I don't like. I don't think it looks as good or whatever. But particularly like when your hair was not cut to be styled that way. Yeah, because it won't be the right length on each side or something. I don't know how this works. She would probably not be thrilled with me telling this story on a podcast, but. Um, I'm going to wager that Rachel is not home while Jackson's recording this. She's not home right now. No. Right. 
All right, folks, welcome to another episode of Roxy Fever. I'm your host, Jax McDonald. With me, as always. What's up, everybody? It's Vyastran. And Elliot Hoyt. How are you guys doing this week? I'm doing great. How about you, Vyas? I am uh, I'm cracking open a cold one, which means I'm putting together a cherry Coke and a Rick Dollywell special. That's what I call Crown, Crown Royal. <laughs> I, I was... Does Rick actually drink Crown Royal? You'd have to ask JD. Like, uh, like okay. I mean, like, no, there, okay. there's been like jokes about. It's a running joke. Like, it's not something that Vyas just okay. made up. No, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. When uh, I think Crown Royal is now one of the like banner ads, like you, you know those like okay. huge gray things in the in the rink in the background with ads yes. on it now, covering the seats. Like, there's a Crown Royal one, and I think it went up like right after 10:40. Uh, oh, okay was uh was uh destroyed oh yeah okay. <laughs> it was drone striked from by, from toronto <laughs> uh and uh <clears throat> pj patrick johnson just this mm-hmm. like wow the canucks are doing a in memoriam ad <laughs> to rick dolly <laughs> <laughs> and it's just a crown royal that's really funny <laughs> also jd's been railing on uh crown is too sweet and uh crown is good fuck up fuck that it's it's oh. fine yeah. It's just there's, fine. there's better whiskeys at that price point, of course, but nobody, nobody sure. is saying it's amazing. It's no, fine. no, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, there's better, there's better whiskeys at that price point, but if I'm gonna buy whiskey at that price point, I want the one that I know is like, yeah, good, it's pretty good. So I usually yeah. get crown, whereas right. the other ones, I'm like, I've never fucking heard of this. What's this? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. it's a, uh, it's, it's a uh, bourgeois to uh hate ground so <laughs> yes i agree shit, i agree um i was just gonna say that uh the problem is that i feel like all the canonical things that happen on canucks twitter always happen when i'm at work and so i just like yeah open my phone at the end of the day and you know i work a real job so i can't just mm-hmm. fucking be on the computer all day like everybody else <laughs> what's and, up um, what's up elliot <laughs> and uh what is everyone talking about <laughs> um but anyways uh that that would be a great show and it's in of itself it's a twitch stream of you you going on everybody sees your computer screen and it's just you muttering what the fuck is trying to figure out what the fuck is this this nonsense is i still think the best idea one of the best ideas you've had is doing the polar opposite of Daniel Wagner passes to Bullis's, uh I watched this game mm-hmm. called I didn't watch this game. And it's just a, you write gamers for games you didn't watch and then try to guess what happened based, <laughs> off based on like what everybody's tweeting about. It would be <laughs> great if there's a way I could do that on an account on like a timeline where I remove the word Canucks somehow. Yes. So it's only like the most tangential things to the game that I get picked up from yeah, like totally. like weird tweets from like Clarissa or yeah. something or just like her her memes that and I'm just basing it off of that. Anyways, uh to set the scene here, uh it is Sunday afternoon, February 21st. The Canucks have uh their most recent loss, which I assume is going to be a theme here going forward. Uh came against the Winnipeg Jets and uh I don't want to spend too much time talking about the Canucks, uh, or you know, just what's going on in our neck of the woods because, yeah, uh, I, yeah, I have this hard out at like three o'clock because I have to go harass Frogbert, whatever his name is. It's busy schedule. <laughs> what? Oh, do you not know? <laughs> I, wow, 
You have to harass. You have to harass Lauren Bobert. Is that what you said? <laughs> he said Frogbert. Oh, that when it, oh, Derek yeah. Fobert like tried to kill Neil oh, Hall. Right. <laughs> okay, so funny oh, story. I ruined that one. Sorry, guys. That happened right at the end of the game, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, I was like, you know, with one minute left in the game after Winnipeg scored in the empty net. I turned the game off and switched to a movie. It was like, well, nothing's going to happen in the last. <laughs> <laughs> and then the forward thing happened. But I don't really want to talk too much about that. I Instead, what I want to do is introduce a new segment to the show by asking you guys a new question. Okay. Okay. Are the Canucks bad? Oh, God. <laughs> <sighs> yes. I think so. Do we have to do the ESPN first take thing where like I I absolutely disagree with Elliot? No, you, you know can what? Say sure. No, I think it's going to be the thing that where we like slightly disagree on the label, but we always kind of agree with the underlying reasons with the, for it. the content, if not the form. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Because like they're definitely not a good team, and they're they're struggling a lot to win games in a very weak division. Yeah, it's true. It's I, not they a are very playing good better, division. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they are playing better in their last. If they were to, if this division was better, I'd be saying no, they're a mediocre team. <laughs> yeah, but because the division's so bad and they're just struggling so hard against to any, use... that word. Yeah, yeah, that's right. my, that's our word. Yeah, <laughs> by no which I mean to. only we're allowed to use it. <laughs> Nobody gets to say the M word, which if you say it really quickly. <laughs> that sentence uh, the M word that's good yeah okay they're they're looking better than before which means plan the parade yeah uh of course but i'm trying to figure out so the lotto line is back is is like kind of back to where we'd expect them to be on on uh I don't know shot percentage or whatever. Yeah, stats. I would say so. Like over the last few games, they're more, they're definitely <clears throat> trending back in that direction. Mm-hmm. And also, we're getting more points from defense. Uh, I am very annoyed at how many times I see Tyler Myers in a highlight, like in an actually like pro Canucks highlight. Yeah, like even as the first guy to come in for the celebration, I like. Yeah, I, I get very Brandon Setter Discord vibes right when that happened. I'm excited yeah. about a goal, and then oh god, it's it's him again. Yeah, yeah, um, I hear that. So I they're, look, they're, they're, they suck. They absolutely suck. <laughs> um, they well, they're not bad, right? They're they're horrible. It's some of the worst hockey I've seen. But uh, I don't know what is the huge missing piece now. Like, is it just? I mean, the last game. What happened wrong last game? Was it really just running into like a hot goalie? Or yeah, they kind of just didn't look very good. Yeah. Oh, you know, it's and I. I I do just want to say, I didn't get the chance to say it last week, but um, for those of you that listened to my 1040 episode, you know that I am on antidepressants now. Mm. So I just want to go back and say that it, you guys remember when I said they were going to make the playoffs uh, and that they would be like, I think we all thought that the fourth best team. I, yeah. Did Elliot we not did. both think they were going to squeak in though? No, you thought they were going to squeak. Oh, yeah. in. You thought they were going to squeak in. Elliot thought they were going to just miss, and I thought they were going to be firmly the last team in the division to make the playoffs in that number four spot. I just want to say, not my fault. I took pills that made me more happy and optimistic. <laughs> um, we can strike that from the record. 
uh, team, not very good. <laughs> and guess what? They weren't very good last year either. And they just got hot and lucky. And so I, I think it was Jeff Patterson pointed out recently on the, on the van cast that like the Canucks had one run where they just won like 14 of 16. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. And then the rest of the time they've been this team. So they yeah. just literally just had one insanely hot run Yeah, that you could like, you know, like random number generator. You just press the button and that's mm-hmm. what comes up. And then the rest of the time, they've just been this like kind of 20th place team. Like I would definitely say that the first, okay, how many games have we played? We played about 20 games, right? Yeah. it's. Um, yeah, I'm, yeah. I know I'm the guy who says we all the time. Uh, I stand <laughs> I <know>. by that. <laughs> I've learned to it's not. It's funny, laugh. but I also <laughs> don't care. Like people just say that, like that's just how yeah. It language is, works. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I cared more when, for a moment, I was like, maybe I'll keep trying to do this as a job. And now I'm like, no, that's stupid. <laughs> and so now I don't care as much. Keeping it professional, yeah. yeah. Um, so 20 games in, I definitely think that first, let's say, dozen games was some of the worst Canucks hockey we've seen totally. since yeah. 2014, 2015. Like that was really Desjardins level shit. Sure. Um, yeah. Maybe, maybe worse than that. And so it definitely, it was nice to see everybody be like, let's talk about firing the GM. But yeah, now we are back to like the normal bubble hockey we're kind of used to from the Canucks. Yeah. Totally. Um, this is what I'm used to over the last two, three years. And what's annoying about it is that once in a while, they play a game. Like, yeah, totally. They yeah. run a team out of their building. And it's, it's just enough to keep people on the edge of their seats with this team um, and buy in, but yeah, buy into the process so far that like, as soon as you think this game, if they lose it, management's done, they come out, they come and pull one out because when they hear that, they're not like, to me, I think when the Canucks actually do play one of those games out of nowhere, after the media has been hitting them or hitting management, they don't hear it being about management. They hear it about being them. Or like, we need to prove something. Or it's like Brandon Sutter just being like, fuck, if these guys are gone, I'm out of a job. I better start <laughs> <laughs> like, Yeah. I think that plays a bit of a role too, if we're being honest. Yep. Like this there are true. guys who know like I'm the GM's guy. And like if the GM goes, then maybe I go. Like well, I mean yeah. I mean J- like Jake must you know, Jake must know that like as soon as there's a new GM, he's not on the team. Anymore. Oh, it'll be yeah. the first symbolic move by a GM to well, kill yeah, Jake for ten. In the but same that'll be, way that that'll be so was the first symbolic job. Yeah, it will be. Exactly. I hope it goes down that way. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, you you mentioned Vias the uh, the sort of tendency for the Canucks to pull out an impressive game just often enough to kind of keep the wolves at bay. And yeah. um, one thing that didn't keep the wolves at bay though, was uh, the infamous Francesco Aquilini vote of confidence that uh, came, I think about a week or so ago um, that I wanted to talk about on the last episode, but uh, oh, yeah, we, we ran out of time. We ran out of time that, you know, you get flube in the, in the house and it's just like, there's so many bits to do, mm. so much joshing. Uh, there wasn't really any time for like real news. Um, but did you guys see that Aquilini Twitter thread? And what did you think of it if you did? I think I got a bit of a flashback because I'm pretty sure he said some pretty similar things about Mike Gillis in 2014. I think he said exactly the same thing about Mike Gillis in 2014. Yeah. 
Yeah, I know. I know some people are referring back to it. I don't remember that to be honest, um, but I'm opening it up now. And my first reaction was just kiss of death, right? Absolutely, like it's, it's just yeah. what you're supposed to do. Oh, and I'll add by the way, he's right to do that. Yeah, that's his job. Like he's got to stick up. If you're not that. gonna fire the GM mid-season, and yeah. they probably shouldn't, right? Like they probably should not do that. It, it, what's the difference between having a GM and just taking their toys away and not letting them do anything and be having like a new interim GM. That's only going to be around for like a few months. Like, yeah, if they want the biggest pool to draw from, they should wait for the off season. Right. And so, and, and so if they're going to do that, if that's their plan, then you do just have to come out and say like, no, I'm not planning on making any changes. Right. I mean, the only question mark about that plan would be, if you do want to sell Pearson and Sutter at the, at the trade deadline. Yeah. And I get that. Hmm. Uh, are they both? They're both expiring this expiring this year. Yeah. Pearson is the interesting one. I, and I, I would mean, love to see Pearson go to Montreal. Oh yeah. That would rock. <sighs> also. Cause I really want Montreal to come out of the North division. Yeah, me too. I, just, I do too. <laughs> that's another, that's another thing people like, I think didn't talk about much with the Toffoli stuff in the Canucks. Like, he already he had a guy here he played well with historically yeah uh, that's my take it always fe- it always feels like things can't get worse but they always can that's uh that's jackson's law you ever feel like yeah. nothing ever good's happened to you okay so i think what happened is on one of the times, one of the million hours that Elliot Friedman has a platform and, and just decides to talk about stuff. Um, I don't know if this came from a source. I don't know if this just came from, hey, I know a way to get Vancouver Twitter to stop <laughs> sending me photos of my children from two seconds ago. Uh, <laughs> threatening me. I do. Like, the thing is, is, is that, you know, you got to remember, like, should Elliot read his mentions? No, absolutely not. Is he kind of a whiny baby about people being mean to him on the internet? Yes, but <laughs> he is also um, Jewish and has like a million Twitter followers, at least. So, like, he, we always think when he's like, "Oh, Canucks Twitter's so mean" or whatever, that like uh, it's just like Taj. Or whatever, like Taj 1944, just being like, we're watching you, Elliot. We think a thing you said was wrong. It's like not that. It's like people with Pepe avatars, like texting him photos of his children from 10 seconds ago. Right. Okay. That's fair. <laughs> like, I, there, there may be some of that is all I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. That's, that's fair. that is a reasonable I think conclusion. Elliot and I have no idea where you're going with that, by yeah. the way. <laughs> I mean, since you pointed out that his last name is Jewish, I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. It probably is some real shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, no, it's fair. Well, I mean, but like on a different tack, like Derek Forber got a ton of messages all over his Instagram and whatever other social platforms he had from insane Canuck fans as well. Absolutely. Yeah, it's true. It's not just guys like Taj saying. That's true. That, that is finally true. Finally, yeah. running interference for the... D- for the GM, it's actually people. Being... <laughs> the deep state. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Anyways, so Elliot Friedman, he hypothesized or he talked about the possibility of Roberto Luongo coming in as either president of hockey ops or as a general manager of the Canucks. 
and this comes off after he was announced as one of the AGMs for Team Canada in uh, oh yeah to play right. in uh, the yeah. next Winter Olympics. God, you know, like I like Lou, but that's just fucking nepotism. Like, like what has he done that? I mean, I guess Florida, Florida's fucking playing out of their minds this year. So maybe he played some kind of role in that, I guess, because he's in a what's he the AGM in Florida now? He's or? he's in the office, is yeah. all I know. Okay, yeah. uh, and obviously Durant's could tell you more. And I think yeah. a lot of people like I trust people when they do say that Luongo has been doing a lot of work to like at a management level of learning sure. that and like really studying the stuff and not just not just bullying his way into positions, but being like actually a student of it. What if he is? What if this is all like? What if he doesn't give a shit? And he doesn't care about like money because like he's got all the money he needs. He's got ours. <laughs> and this is yeah, absolutely. And uh, and he's just literally like getting into a front office so that he can like learn all this shit about all the different people in the front offices and just for bits, so he could just like quit and become a shit poster again. <laughs> oh, that'd be beautiful. Oh, that'd I be want great. that to happen. That'd so be bad. so beautiful. It's not going to, but it would rock. It'd be so good if he was the team president and he was still posting from Strombone One. Oh that God, would- yes. That's the thing, right? Like, I don't want him to get hired into a management role because it's going to take us. It's it would probably mean RIP Strombone One. Absolutely, I don't want. Do that. you know how many Strombone Boner Two accounts are going to come up? Yeah, that? absolutely. Like, yeah. Um. So, so that's one thing we lose. But also, I just for him to possibly be running the show in Vancouver, half of the Vancouver fan base absolutely fucking hated him. Absolutely. Before the Twitter stuff came up and people are like, oh, he's funny. Like he would he would automatically have knives out for him from a lot of the fan base. Yeah. Um, and like I don't know if that's a good thing necessarily. Like, I don't know if this is like a good sell to the Canucks market if the Aquilinis are looking into that. Yeah. Also, he's been assistant GM for like a year. Marcus Naslin has been the GM of like a hockey team, admittedly not an NHL hockey team for like he's been, he was the president or the GM of Moto for like five yeah. years. So like, I think that, that makes a lot more sense. Wow. That's a good point. Wow. I like that point. Naslin makes way more sense. And, uh, but that's still a bad idea. I also just think like the, literally the best team in the league, we'll see what happens with the Kraken or whatever. Like I, I think they have the potential to like really run the table if they decide to be, really really smart like in terms of analytics and stuff like not immediately but like in a few years Mm -hmm. or whatever but like honestly out of all 31 teams in the nhl right now the first one to institute a policy of we are not hiring any former players for any position in our organization would probably become the best team in the league (laughs) so i am in favor of like no canucks legends in the front office like yeah just yeah. get me the guys who are the best at the job and are going to win championships. That's all mm. I care about. Mm. I don't give a shit. I did not care at all that Trevor Linden, that some fucking guy that my dad watched play. Had but we are, I mean, we are also playing. Trevor Linden truthers, right? That's true. Like, yeah, of course. We but are anti-Trevor Linden. Like, I don't want, I, the last thing I want is for Henrik and Daniel to become GMs. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Please no, fuck, don't heart. do that. Just disappear, break my fucking guys. Heart, man. Yeah. Like, I'm kind of annoyed the Canucks didn't try and pull Alex Burrows into the organization in a coaching capacity. Oh, like, yeah. That's, Utica. A, that's a mistake. Yeah. Um, and I was also going to say the best team in the league is right now is Tampa. And they do have a or they had a former player who did a lot of the job building that team. And he went to Detroit, which is where he's well, to me, Steve Eisenman is a Red Wing. Yeah, absolutely. And mm, it's like, course. OK, 
but that's the one that's allowed to be doing this. Well, it's yeah, it's one of those things where I, I'm not saying it's I'm not saying there aren't exceptions because they're absolutely yeah, no wrong. for sure. But but if you're going to make a rule between not hiring former players and only hiring former players, don't hire mm. former. Yeah, players. exactly. Also, yeah, that's, the that's former exactly players that the Canucks do hire, they fuck around with Manny Malhotra. Manny Malhotra yeah. should still be in the Canucks bench, if yeah. not head coach. I don't know. Just like yeah, uh, totally. I am really sad that he left. Yeah, that's a huge bummer. I mean, at least yeah. Noel Baumgartner's still here. That's true. <laughs> well, um, moving on from moving on from one owner uh, being a crazy pants to <laughs> another owner who's even more insane. Did you guys read the like infamous Katie Strang athletic article about what is going on in the desert right now with the Arizona Coyotes? I read about like half two of thirds it. of it. Yeah, that's fair. There's um there was way too much in there to unpack. It was a long one. She does the article I've dreamed of doing about <laughs> the Vancouver Canucks, where it's like, all right, so our story begins in 1983 when the Aquiliti <laughs> family is trying to abolish rent control in British Columbia. Like that's where our story starts. This, that's true. Wow. Um, and 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 this this article is very much in the same vein. Like it tackles everything from how the Canuck or how <laughs> that really goes to show you where my head's at. Um, how the Arizona Coyotes go from not having Mitchell Miller on their do not draft list heading into COVID to drafting him with their first pick in the draft uh, like six months later. Yeah. Like, that's one of the things that they cover. Um, they cover a lot of different crazy stuff with regards to the new owner there. And um, also just like relationships between uh, different figures in the organization. And I don't know. I, 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 I can't even remember everything that's in there because it's such an info dump. Okay. So as we get into this article, I admit, I mean, I'm probably like a lot of listen, a lot of listeners. One, we're, we don't pay much attention to other teams outside the Canucks. Fair. And right now we're definitely having trouble paying attention to teams in the States right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, even I, media guys even, having and, trouble with Yeah, that. even me. Like, I normally have a decent idea of what's going on elsewhere. Mm-hmm. But not having that those two chances a year to catch up with every team. Yeah. It just makes it hard. It absolutely. makes it really hard. Yeah. So... Just uh, to play my role of uh, who I am on the show, I'm just going to ask a couple <laughs> questions, like really contextual is one, when did this guy come in? So there's a new owner, Morel, sir, what's his name? Alex Maruello. Okay. That's how that's pronounced. So he's the new owner. He is the new owner. Yes. Okay. Was he like, so, and he wasn't involved in like keeping, keeping the stadium in uh, Phoenix or Glendale or whatever. Like he wasn't part of like, working with the NHL to keep them there? No, he's only been there since 2019. Yeah, he only oh, ended wow. up okay. with the team in June 2019. Okay. So he's now, brand new. So if you remember, there was a a period of time in Arizona, and I'm not, a, I'm not an expert on this stuff, so sorry if I get – I'm going to try to speak in broad strokes. I might get small details wrong. What, whatever matters to people There was here, like yeah. a time period in about like – in and around the early 2010s to about the mid 2010s where the coyotes were like without an owner. Right. And basically a ward of the state that the NHL was like personally monitoring and like making sure stayed in Arizona while they looked for an owner. 
Right. That's my understanding. Like, I don't know what that actually looks like, but he was heralded as like the savior of the franchise. Like he's the guy who's going to come in and finally end this horror show that's been going on in the desert for what feels like pretty much the entire time they've been. Yeah. 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 Um, Now my other main question about him is where did he get his money? I have the part of the article right in front of me. Oh, okay, great. So Alex Morello is the son of Cuban immigrants who reportedly fled Cuba from Miami in 1961 with a box of cigars, his parents' sole possession. Okay. According to a 2011 profile in the LA Times. one possession too many, bitch. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Morello earned 5K. Okay, so this is the first interesting thing. Morello apparently was earning $5,000 a month working at a tuxedo shop at age 16. Normal. Uh, I'm sure he was selling you know, tuxedos. You know that normal uh, career trajectory that you go on where you go from being an impoverished Cuban in- immigrant to working at a suit store for $5,000 a month? We've all done that. <laughs> I remember my summer job at the suit store making $5,000. <laughs> oh, man. That sounds like that sounds like something that would be in Viasa's past. <laughs> <laughs> I had my at the oh. suit store where I made enough money to put myself through UBC. Yeah, I sold suits to uh, locals like Justin Trudeau. Sorry, what was that, Vias? I, I, that, oh, yeah, no, I, I fitted and sold suits to, uh, you know, just working class members of the community. I was yeah. in like Justin Trudeau. And... That's right. No, you're yes. probably selling Trudeau, um, I don't know, yoga outfits. <laughs> Um, anyway, so then he turns that one call pizzeria he bought in college into a regional chain with 50 <laughs> locales by the early 1990s. Just as you do. Yeah, just generated millions in sales. And then he just, you know, does the rich guy thing. Amassed commercial real estate properties, construction outfits, media broadcasting companies, and more recently, casinos. Gusanos, man. Oh, fucking Gusanos. If there's one thing that I know about this guy, it's that... He sounds like he works in completely legitimate businesses with more A's in legitimate than they're normally supposed to be. <laughs> yeah. None of these businesses have a large cash component. Um, tuxedos salesmen definitely make 5K a month when they're 16. Totally. Um, yeah. There's definitely nothing else going on. There's no That's additional a really stream of revenue. normal here. connection to have as a 16-year-old Cuban immigrant. I will also say, I feel like we did not uh, kind of have enough of a pregnant pause when you said left Cuba in 1961. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I did say that the box of cigars he was allowed to have was one too many things to have with you. Oh. Uh, this is my response to this fucking this fucking guy oh man that's all i needed to know about this fucking guy man (laughs) all right well i uh, there there are a few details that i wanted to um that i wanted to get out here that i know like will interest our listeners even if it is a gotcha a, a different sort of a team that frankly out here just no one gives a shit about and i mean probably down there too if we're being realistic um but uh yeah it's quite it's quite long but the the there's some really 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 like it's a rich text as they say um mm-hmm. so i'll i'll start here from the relevant point when Maruello held his first news conference, he was refreshingly candid, if not a little brash. He said he sure as shit wanted to win, and he later wore a shirt emblazoned with that slogan to team functions. 
the team marketed the shirt via its official Instagram account. Some felt that bold. Imagine fucking marketing something your owner said as a T-shirt. That's like when the Canucks did that team like that shit. Mm -hmm. I got to go back and retweet all that stuff now, ironically, because I was just fucking (laughs) waiting for it at the time. Like, I remember when that was coming out. I was just like, oh, I got to fave all these tweets because this is going to look so stupid. (laughs) You can't you can't like make that your your slogan when you're still pretty dicey as a team. But yeah. Anyways. Yeah. yeah. He held his first staff wide meeting last winter where he called a projected revenue loss of 53 million unacceptable. So he detailed the plan to steer the team towards profitability within two years and in with increased ticket sales and sponsorships, a cut of expansion fees from the new Seattle team slated to be distributed in April, 2021 and cost saving measures, including reducing player payroll. The new ownership methods raised eyebrows. This is where shit starts to get real. Several employees felt there was a lack of understanding about what makes running an NHL team, which operates as a community asset and relies on longstanding partnerships and relationships different from a private business. You're fucking telling me it's different from a private business, but um, I'll just let that stand. Uh, (laughs) The cost-cutting measures that may have cushioned the bottom line of the Marowello Group's other business ventures, the group's CFO once bragged about drilling down on the cost of napkins, have different implications within an NHL franchise. The new leadership group, including Luis Armona and... Armando Delgado from the Meruello group scrutinized even the smallest of expenditures. Armona, nicknamed Hurricane Louise, around the office was at one point flummoxed by the fact that the team was charged for sweet catering and apparel and merchandise from the team's retail partner. According to two employees, Armona banged a conference table and shouted, free, free, free. No one makes money off the Coyotes. They only (laughs) exist because of us. Well, these guys are also about to learn that no one, in fact, makes money off. (laughs) (laughs) So we're already getting a picture here of like extremely crazy ownership group. Mm. And um, I'm really excited to I'm almost all all the way through uh Bad Sports by Dave Zirin, the mm-hmm. book that uh, Georgia gave me. And I'm very excited to, like, at some point circle back to that uh, a little bit more because, like, this is some real uh, MLB owner shit. Yeah, like, our sports owner weirdness will be, like, the WHL owner, like, doing everything to make sure their kid is on the top line. and Exactly. You know, yeah. and, and, like, but, but also, you know, mob ties and <laughs> things of that nature. But <laughs> Things of that nature. But it's, like, a different type of approach to sucking the asset dry. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. Whereas I, whereas I just feel like in, in Canada, these small town teams are used as, like, fiefdoms. Exactly. And like, yes. yeah, like, like kingdoms where, where they get to be uh, the most powerful person. Whereas here, it's it's almost like uh, an even. I mean, the Canucks are just the PR wing of Aquilini Group. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. the purpose of it's the Canucks. marketing budget. Whereas in, in the States, something I've really noticed is that like sports teams tend to be a way for America's rich, but not like. Not the not the like real fucking lizard people mm-hmm. uh, pizza gate crowd like mm-hmm. the the sort of we're flirting with a billion dollars. I maybe have 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 like a couple billion dollars in wealth, but not like mm-hmm. not a Bezos, not a Bill Gates, like mm-hmm. 
like um, the sort of next rung down it's often like those kind of like loser millionaires and billionaires <laughs> as funny as that is mm -hmm. to say who like are using the sports team at, as like an asset to be bled dry yeah an attempt to cynically make money directly off the business as opposed to using the team as like a way to launder other shit or political yeah. influence or whatever Some, sometimes you get the rare billionaire who is so rich that and, and like so obsessive with stuff like they do use it as a hobby and yeah, the only absolutely. person who comes to mind for that is like steve Ballmer of the la clippers totally who is really into the clippers like he's at he's he's always constantly present and i mean i don't know how much money he has but like he does not need the clippers yeah. Uh, and he doesn't use them to bleed like he doesn't use it as an asset to bleed dry as far as I know but actually Justin is a big Clippers fan and could probably yes. tell us more but yeah he's like the 10th richest person in the world yeah, yeah. exactly Anyways. yeah alright so outbursts from those at the very top of the organization were not uncommon multiple employees detailed profanity laced dressing downs by Maruello, whose vexation could be provoked by such commonplace matters as loss projections or mentions of how other teams around the league do business Maruello envisioned himself as an owner in the mold of the lightning's jeff vinnick but also bristled when compared to him multiple employees said he barked at them if they called him alex insisting he be addressed instead as mr Maruello. So uh, this is another thing that there there is an owner in the like the NBA that also is exactly like this. Like I don't think it's Donald Sterling. I don't think it was Donald Sterling. I think it was um uh maybe the guy who owned the Colts or something. I I wish I could remember like I wish I could match guy to team better. But right. um but this is not unique among owners. I've mm -hmm. heard of other owners that also demand this. And um, just as a general rule, uh, if you are older than like 10 years old, you don't have to call anyone Mr. Ever. <laughs> That's fucking the dumbest shit I've ever it's heard. It's been a long time since I've referred to somebody as Mr. Um, even in an email when I'm cold emailing for stuff. Also, I would just like to give Fair. a shout out to Jeff Finnick for, you know, holding down two jobs. I always forget that while he's taking photos at the Canucks games, he also owns... <laughs> All these teams i just think that's impressive sorry there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff in here but um mm -hmm. it's a long one there's the some of the other details here just skimming through so i don't like just read like seven paragraphs of an article here um in july after prospect tyler steedenbergen did not receive his bonus on time his agent rick Vallette sent a strongly worded email uh the contents of which were shared with the athletic to the team over what he called a serious breach of contract and um, there's also a number of details in here about the ownership stiffing vendors mm -hmm. having to pay right. them for services rendered at games and then being like, oh, yeah, 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 we'll pay you. We'll pay you. We'll get there. We'll get there. And the vendors would routinely have to like Hector Chase and Pester, the, 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 the owner of an NHL franchise mm -hmm. to pay them for the work that they already did. And then they would start haggling like after stringing them along for three months or six months, they would be like, well, actually we think we should only have to pay you this much. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. there's a, there's a quote in here from one guy that I'm going to read just cause it, it 
really spells it out nicely. They default on a bill and then chisel you down to what you accept and then pay you, said one vendor. One executive at a company that provided services to the team said that once his unpaid invoices started stacking up months before COVID-19, he feared he wouldn't be paid at all. He eventually got a call from one of Marowello's associates who questions a, a litany of items on each invoice, asking who had signed off on an expenditure or whether someone who no longer was working for the organization had authorized it. The vendor felt defensive and flustered, which he now suspects was the intent. Eventually, against legal advice, the vendor agreed to be paid a lesser amount. Afterward, he said he felt as though he had been duped. You could tell they've done this a million times, the vendor said. That's the feeling I got. Good luck for the Jeez. NHL to sell a franchise to this fucking grifter. Yeah. Oh, I, I also want to say um, I apologize. I want to apologize to John Chaka uh, for every <laughs> bad thing that, that we said. And also that other people said uh, you were right to just bail on this motherfucker. That was exactly I, you know what? the yeah. correct thing to do. I, I am totally sorry to John Chaka. I do want to get that out there. The Chaka's totally uh, have really been vindicated here. Take your fucking ball and go home. If you work for a guy <laughs> like that. Absolutely. So, you were right uh, to do it. Okay, so I was one. My third question I was going to ask is my like I don't know anything about the story. Was what happened to John Chaka through all this? <laughs> yeah, answered. Okay, what was yeah? What was her takeaway from that last conversation about him? Like, yeah, why did you take the ball home? Like, was yeah? This, this I mean, sketchy? I don't know if I don't know if we talked about it that much necessarily. I just know like what conversations I've had with people publicly and privately. Right. And right. also just what we've said about the Chekas in general. And I do still kind of think they're grifters um, in terms of like, I, I, I don't know. I don't buy their stats company and I've seen yeah. right, right. them talk about, I've seen Megan in particular talk about the work she does and it just doesn't seem very like, um, mm-hmm. it, it mm-hmm. just seems like a fraudulent stats company. Like that's what it, mm-hmm. what it seems mm-hmm. like. And, and it seemed like that, when John was at the head and then it really seemed like that when Megan took over, I think just because like, I think John really developed the company and she came in later. I might be wrong about that. If I am, I apologize. But um, anyways, I basically, we just talked about how like, this is hilarious. Like he just grifted an NHL franchise into like a GM job by making them think he knew, knew what he was doing um, and then fucked off. But like, it's pretty. I think it's pretty clear why he fucked off now. Yeah, if this was. I also yeah. think it's pretty clear, possibly, what one of the main sources was for this article. Yeah, maybe. I mean, yeah, I be actually, and just as an just as an addendum to this article as well, um, Doug Armstrong, I think the mm-hmm. the G, the GM there uh, came out in the media later and said it was all made up basically like called it basically was just straight out of the, the fake news uh, playbook. Uh, yeah. And by the way, Aquilini did the same thing um, with the, with the oh, yeah. Travis green and Jim Benning stuff. And that it always pisses me off when owners do that because it's just like, they just can now, you know what I mean? Like they can just play the media card as if like, mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. if I just love this fucking idea that like a guy who has 500, million dollar like a 500 million dollar nhl franchise or or more uh is somehow like scared of the me like the media you know what i mean like as if they don't just kiss his ass most of the time Mm -hmm. you know what i mean and so they can just you know they can just point to this institution that's like not well liked by a lot of people for sometimes for good reason and just be like well they you know them they just lie and make shit up all the Mm -hmm. time to make me look bad yeah Um, 
but uh and and then the other thing that happened there too was apparently somebody from the organization also allegedly threatened legal action against strang if she was going to publish this mm, which wow. uh katie katie strang is a fucking bad bitch she's amazing yeah but, Jackson said it. I didn't. I'm sorry. No, I, I think she's I mean, amazing. <laughs> I mean that in the best possible I know, I know, sense. I like, yeah. like she is. She's like, one of the best, like actual sports journalists, an actual mm-hmm. journalist, mm-hmm. someone with an actual real conscience and sense of what people need to know. Mm-hmm. And clearly a badass and clearly like maybe not stylistically, but in terms of integrity and having that good sense, maybe one of the closest people in the game right now to Jason Botchford, because this wow. is the kind of story that Botch would publish. He wouldn't, it would be with like one sentence per paragraph and with a bunch of memes and shit in it. But <laughs> this is the kind of story that he would, he would be super in on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. agree. Um, circling back to something you said earlier that it's pretty embarrassing that the NHL let this guy buy a team. Yeah. The NBA didn't let him buy a team. I know. Oh yeah. You're right. So yes. there's early in the article, they mentioned that in August of 2011, he tried to buy the Atlanta Hawks, but the NBA's vetoed the deal because the deal was too highly leveraged. The NBA harbored doubts about Morello's ability to withstand operating costs and did not mm-hmm. receive the financial assurances needed to assuage those concerns. Morello then blames wow. this on the labor on labor issues. <laughs> uh, classic. Oh, I love it These so much. Goddamn workers want all this money. The leeches. <laughs> yeah. What are you what are you gonna do? Right. Well, I think that's uh that's enough on that topic because we we have one last thing to get to, which is the saga of Tony D, the story that just won't die. Um the saga each. What's that? Oh wait, that sounds nothing. That sounds right. weird. Um, the uh, <laughs> the uh, sorry, I'm just trying to remember what my it's because it's because it, it sounded like I said suck a dick. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah, okay. um, yeah. Thank you. That actually reminded me where I was gonna like what I was gonna say for some reason. I don't know why that reminded me, but it it did. It took me right back to where I was when you interrupted me. That's great. <laughs> this one actually came down the wire pretty much as we were recording the episode with Flube. So it's a little bit old, but I think it's still warrants. Oh, yeah. Um, I didn't notice this one. Examination. It's the... Um, no, you were the one who pointed it out uh, to me. It was. It's the, uh, oh. <laughs> the Tony D'Angelo uh, interview that was published in the New York Post by friend of the show, Larry Brooks. I, I, re- I remember this now. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Oh, so... <laughs> um, I'm going to do a quick reading. It's not a super long article, but... Um, that's a lie. It's very long, but it, it has a very clear, uh, end point here. So if you'll just give me a minute, I'm just going to make sure I find the relevant, uh, the relevant end point. Okay. So just to, to, uh, set the scene here a little bit, um, obviously we talked a lot about Tony D'Angelo in our previous episodes, uh, go back and listen to the NYR Guido voice episode. If you need context for this, um, but obviously, a lot of not so nice stories coming out about Tony D um, more details about the time that he was suspended in the OHL more details about kind of what has gone on between him and some Rangers teammates and stuff. And it's all pretty heinous, but uh, Larry Brooks apparently uh, has, has some opinions on this and uh, wouldn't you know it They're They're very much of the uh, Rex Murphy variety. We might say so. It is perhaps the height of irony that the one time Tony D'Angelo might indeed be a victim, 
he outright refuses to advance that narrative. No, sir. So I already fucking hate this so much. He's, he's, he's I hate this. Yeah, this is the worst type of opening. Yeah. And it's really also just is. wrong because he's not a victim. Yeah, exactly. Like, like a bad hockey player sent to the AHL. <laughs> this is cancel culture in action. Like, <laughs> no, as we all know, no bad hockey player has ever been, who's playing like shit has ever been sent to the minors before for being a, prick to one of his teammates i would love to see what his reaction would have been when he heard that like even ea sports docked his overall from like in the 80s to like 73 that fucking overall. rocks. <laughs> that's amazing i hope that was just one guy who worked at the ea <laughs> office just manually going out and being like fuck this queen <laughs> Coming up on two weeks since being expelled from the Rangers in the wake of the January 30th postgame physical altercation with Alexander Georgiev, which the defenseman provoked with a verbal insult, Mm. uh, et cetera, et cetera. I'm obviously disappointed about the way things ended in New York and how things have unfolded, but I'm not going to sit here and play the victim card at all. D'Angelo told the Post in an exclusive interview by phone on Friday that represented his first public remarks since that fateful night. Hockey-wise, there are mistakes that I've made. I've gotten hot-headed at times. I'm the first one to admit that, and I take responsibility for it. I've tried to learn and get better at it, but there are still times when things have happened, and emotionally I've gone over the line a little bit, and I accept responsibility for that. The thing with Alex, exactly like he said, emotions get aw- got away. I wish things had happened differently, but like I said, I'm not in any way playing the victim card. So one of the things I love about this is he's literally using the heated gaming moment <laughs> that is what that is it's true. like he and he's literally like i'm sorry i got too upset while i was playing a game <laughs> and i said the n-word it's a gaming word <laughs> it's not uh or well wasn't it anti-semitic comments i i don't know is someone reporting that Vias? <laughs> has someone has someone reported that uh <laughs> that the comments that uh Tony D'Angelo made in the OHL were anti-Semitic in nature. I don't know that anyone's reported that, but if you've heard that somewhere, that's very interesting. (laughs) 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 But let's be serious here. D'Angelo is not out of the NHL because of the tussle with Georgiev. Those things happen in pro sports. Claude Lemieux and Scott Stevens went at it barefisted in the devil's room the year preceding the first of New Jersey's three Stanley Cups. That sounds <laughs> that sounds okay. like they did something a lot more fun than fighting. <laughs> I wonder if there was a difference between Claude Lemieux, Scott Stevens. <laughs> Claude, 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 Claude Lemieux is the star of uh, the next Pixar movie. <laughs> He's a cow who plays hockey. He's a French cow. Lemieux. Le- Le- <laughs> I barely mispronounced Le- that. It's so pissed. I've never seen Elliot get that pissed. I wonder if there's a difference in skill level between these two sets of players because, you know. Yeah. They're- no kidding. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Fights, verbal outbursts, those can be overcome, but you know what cannot be overcome? The perception that a player is racist. Mm. The perception that a player, the same player, is a political extremist, an insurrectionist, (laughs) and a COVID denier carries dreadful enough tones, but there is nothing uglier in life than to be labeled racist. I don't even know how to, like, that has made me feel some type of way, this, like... I don't even know how to talk about this, but 
that last line, but there is nothing uglier in life than to be labeled racist. Um, I don't know. It just feels like people are actually... I mean, that's kind of like a... Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, mean, I hate the shape of that comeback, but like, it's true. And it's just like, I, I can just really imagine like, I don't know, country club types being like, you know, I may be very conservative on this, but I'm not a racist while they're literally doing, I'm not really sure how to address that, but it's just a very curious yeah. line to me that it feels like it maybe demonstrates what's actually at play. It really is just them being worried that they're not going to be invited back to the party. Absolutely. No, yeah. it's true. Like I, I, the party where it's all white people, by the way, where it's, yeah, it's, it's funny because it's one of those, th- those things where it's like, racist is just a word that's applied to behavior right yeah so like yeah the thing that the thing that i don't like about this is that like i think you can say that and i'm not necessarily talking about like celebrities i'm just talking about like people in general in their day-to-day lives like you can say that there have been times plenty of times where people are spuriously accused of doing something that they did not do for whatever reason sometimes it's like I think the thing that people miss when things like that happen is there's usually a huge power imbalance and it's actually usually a more powerful person spuriously accusing a less powerful person of something. But like there have been times where, yeah, like it gets around that somebody did something that they didn't do when it kind of fucks up their life. Like even like Dan Cloutier with yeah. the, the Porsche Cayenne thing, like, ostensibly that had like an, an impact on him or whatever. And so it, it would be one thing if it was like, Oh, you know, uh, Tony D'Angelo was like accused of saying something or doing something that he didn't do. It's like, no, no one denies like that. This stuff happened. It's just like people have a different opinion of like, whether or not it's racist and whether or not that makes you X. But but it's like you're a media guy, like you're reporting on this or whatever. Like, if you're so about free speech or whatever, like that that's up for other people to decide whether that's racist or not. Like, and if if the if people have decided that it's racist for him to take the puck from K. Andre Miller or like just be a general shithead MAGA guy on Twitter all the time, like the the jury has spoken. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. that's that's that that's you're you can say that like they're wrong, but you can't say that they're like accusing him of something. Mm-hmm. He he even goes on in the article to like not deny any of the stuff. But, you know, another couple other highlights in here sure. are like he calls uh, he calls Adam Herman uh, a fan blogger. Uh, which is really shitty. Herman like had sources and. It would be like someone calling like David Quadrelli a, a fan blogger. Yeah. It's yeah, not really yeah. fair to like what he does mm-hmm. every day. Like, mm-hmm. yes. Okay. He writes for and ma- and manages and edits or whatever, like a, um, what is technically a fan blog, but he's not like just some like, you know, doobie 22, like writing about, the Rangers should, you know, fire their coach five games into the season. And here's the guys that they should replace or whatever. Like it's a guy doing real journalism, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I mean, all these guys, every media guy has had, has to write all this shit from home and can't actually be a reporter, which is probably what, what they used to think was a distinction. Like, Oh, you're writing it from your, from your computer desk. That's your mom's basement. Yeah. It's like, you're all in your mom's basement. right? Yeah, exactly. We're all in our mom's basements constantly. 
I, I keep this keeps reminding me of when Don Taylor said that thing about bloggers. Yeah. Do, do you do you remember he went he he like took a shot at bloggers a while ago? Yeah, he took a shot. He I feel like he might have specifically even been taking a shot at me when at you that. Yeah. <laughs> um which is it's always just like it's just I just always think it's so funny because it's just like, man, like my literal only power is to just like put stuff out on the internet where I say stuff. The only influence I have is like whether or not people like other people decide to listen to me. Yeah. Yeah. And like talk about it in the same way that I do or whatever. And it makes people that relative to me have so much more power and influence or whatever. So mad. And that's really, really funny to me because it's like literally the only power I have is just to make you upset. Mm-hmm. And I, and it, and it's, and I'm doing it. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah, some other, another great highlight is uh, they, they go to Tony's teammates to be like, Hey, you've played with Tony, you know, he's not racist. Right. And then the guy goes like, yep, that's right. He's not racist. And then the guy they decide to get to do that is Mark Stahl. <laughs> <sighs> Just like the, the whitest <laughs> player with the whitest name <laughs> is um has he said some stupid shit too or is it just yeah it's I, just like, not to the best really, of my knowledge not, no who knows it's, it's not confirming anything for you but, but yeah it's just it's just like oh yeah we found like the guy the rangers player who just they just trot out anytime they need a guy to talk to the media and nobody else wants to do it it would be like it would be like if if some story got out about um, uh, the Canucks and they just sent out Brandon Sutter. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like it's just like, uh, oh, you know, Adam Gaudet uh, spray painted something on somebody's stall or whatever, and then like Brandon Sutter comes out and is just like, no, Adam Gaudet's not a Pepe. I've I talked to him once for ten minutes. He seems like a nice guy. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. that's. Um, that's the kind of same vibe. But the the last uh, excerpt that I just wanted to read here is um, is my favorite. It fit the narrative, didn't it? Or maybe it served the narrative that there was something intrinsically rotten in the MAGA supporter. <laughs> That's such a good sentence. Maybe there there was something intrinsically rotten in the MAGA supporter. That's like like I'm I don't want to be one of those people like one of those like blue check people who like screams about how. Trump is literally a fascist every day or whatever, but like that is very like, who's to say that this man wearing a KKK uniform was racist. (laughs) Sounds like conjecture to me Uh, who seven years earlier as an 18 year old had been suspended by both the Ontario hockey league and his Sarnia team for violating the league's harassment, abuse and diversity policy. Not that it makes this any less heinous in nature, (laughs) Good sign, always, when you're starting a sentence that way. But the Post has learned that the slur he directed at a Caucasian teammate was ethnic in nature, not related to race. That is so funny. It's just the most pointless hair splitting. Just my, one of my favorite things, honestly, that's ever been. Sociologist Larry Brooks. <laughs> I'm just picturing Tony D'Angelo at a like, trial for a hate crime, and he's just like, uh, Yorana, I'll have you know. 
that the slur was in fact ethnic in nature, <laughs> not racial. I read my also, case. It was not racial. It's Tony D, who's the guy who's like most likely to have a fit about somebody saying something anti-Italian. I know. Yeah, it's 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 like the, what, the, what the fuck is identity politics while wearing Italian dress? The next time uh, Tony D'Angelo complains about someone using Guido, just say to him like, "Well, actually, that's an ethnic <laughs> slur, <laughs> not a racial one." Um, but I do awesome. just love that. That's like one of the best sentences I've ever read in my life, and also like. I don't know what I, I find it harder and harder these days to know what information's out there from a real reliable source and what information is out there. Yeah. That's just speculative. But um, let me just say that based on what I've heard, it doesn't make it better. <laughs> like if he said the thing that I heard, it's absolutely still a, like incredibly anus and still the thing that should probably get you suspended for eight games. Yeah. I mean, most of, most of what Larry Brooks's approach here pretty much just comes down to people say my client is racist, but what if he's not? Ex- absolutely. That's yeah. the whole, that's 100%. what this whole article is. Yeah. And uh, when you have a platform like this, I guess it works for you. I guess that's what I'm saying, Brooksy. <laughs> um, yeah. And, you know, just on a, on a final note here, I mean, is it just me or does John Tortorella just keep getting proved right about everyone <laughs> and everything, you know, like, um, I, you know, I mean, for real, like it is wild that, you know, he had the issue with line a and everyone was saying like, Oh, it's cause uh, it's cause Torts is an asshole or whatever. And he's like, no, it's cause he mouthed off at a trainer. <laughs> and then this happens and then you know um i will always just remember his last uh press conference Beautiful. where he was like oh the team needs to be rebuilt the colts the course completely stale it's uh need, they need to blow it up and start over again it's gonna be uh, great when travis green says the same thing <laughs> yeah i can't wait it's gonna <laughs> fucking rock um anything else you guys wanted to get to this week actually just on that point yeah can we make a prediction about, or we don't have to make predictions, but what do you guys think that's going to happen to Travis Green? Like, Oh, can I tell you what I'm hoping for? Sure. UGM sure. that gets to decide what to do about the coaching situation. Their first step should be fire the GM and then bring Shoot in. Shoot the AGM. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm a not... game. It's like, fuck, sh- <laughs> fuck fire, shoot. Shoot. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, good. Yeah. Uh, um, Nolan Baumgartner. <laughs> but if they're going to, like, if they continue on the trajectory that they're on and they decide to, fi- like, make a change, the order yeah. should go GM gets fired first, then worry about coaching. And I, what I would like to see is I would like to see them hire a new GM who is like, just has a bit more of an analytical approach. And I don't even necessarily mean being a stats guy. I just mean somebody who's going to hire, like put a lot of people to work analyzing things and see, yeah. and seeing, is there a way we can get 10% better at scouting? Is there a way that we can like, just trying to re- just squeeze blood from a stone when it comes to like trying to be competitive. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I would like to see that GM sit down with Travis green and the two of them decide together what makes sense for the, the mm. organization, right? Mm-hmm. And that yeah. might mean retaining Travis Green, and it might mean not. Um, and I don't even know if they can. And I mean, I guess they the the good thing about Travis Green's extension not happening is that 
when the G if a new GM comes in, he'll be looking at Travis Green the same way he'll be looking at any other coach, right? That's true. Yeah. Um, and so so like for for me, I mean, I kind of hope they hang on to him because I've I've bought in. Like I I will say that I have pretty good I have like pretty strong confidence that out of the 31 coaches in the NHL, Travis is probably like firmly in and around that 10 spot at least Mm -hmm. i just don't know if you're going to do better than that based on what else is out there yeah um based on the the carousel of five guys who who are allowed to be nhl coaches yeah yeah like i just definitely don't think that firing him in season and then having to look for someone else makes any sense at all yeah yeah and like no wait till you figure out the gm thing let the gm make a calm sober decision in the offseason just makes yeah. so much more sense than anything else. I, I agree yeah and i i think i do kind of hope they hold on to him um just because like i said i don't i don't know that there's any better options out there yeah. but i i think the like if you were if you were picking out of a list of outcomes and you were um on you know betdsi.com or something um you would uh i i think that uh like the the one you should bet on out of the list of options for like what is the most likely outcome for Travis Green next season is coaching in Seattle. But yeah, I but I that that's the to me the most likely outcome right now at this moment. But I could also see very easily a lot of other things happening too. Right, I think yeah. that. He it, it comes down to if a new GM comes in, it's very much like we have a perfectly fine coach here. Absolutely. It's yeah. perfectly fine. Like why you don't yeah, even have to worry about that? that. Yeah. There's so many other things you gotta fix. We've got stuff, we've got stuff for you. We've got a coach and we've got yeah. a core. Your job is to come in and fix this shit because it's totally yeah. 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 There's a core and then there's some rotten stuff around the core, and you need to figure out how to get rid of the rot. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. What do you yeah. think yeah. Travis wants? I think Travis would like to be here. Mm. Like that's the, I think he likes it here, I think. But I also think that because of that, the, uh, the case for him to just take the hop, skip and a jump down to Seattle. Yeah. He's got connections there. Sven Berchi and Travis green end up in Seattle. There, how's that, how's that for a story for you? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, a little, little plug for our two part series with uh, Dustin Fox. Um, Vyas recorded those all on his all on his lonesome on my own guys Dustin um, <laughs> who was a great interview and just had a lot of great stories about like what hockey was like for him mm-hmm. uh, as an indigenous person living on a reserve in southern Alberta mm-hmm. it's not an indigenous hockey episode in skin mm-hmm. quotes so much as it's actually I think kind of almost something better than that which is just to give you one person's lens yeah yeah as opposed to trying to look at the totality of an experiences of an entire it would be like say it would literally be like saying like what is hockey for white canadians and trying to do that in one episode of yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it it wouldn't it doesn't work but and and ask and asking mitch asking mitch marner for his experience yeah totally (laughs) who grew up in like a fucking bat absolutely yeah but like which you know uh it's a it's just a a valuable thing to just be able to get like one person yes outlook on hockey that is uh probably 
very different from yours. So I really yeah. enjoyed editing it. And um, there was I a lot of fun to do. Look forward to hearing from the listeners about that one because, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun to edit. And I could tell you had a lot of fun. Uh, oh, yeah. So on that it's note, great, great time. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Failson McDonald. You can follow me on Twitter at Viasaren. You can follow me on Twitter at Moose Kayak. Uh, don't forget to follow the pod at Roxy Fever and um, subscribe to the Patreon at patreon.com slash Roxy Fever. We have a brand new Heritage Minute that is just about to go out on the legend himself, Kevin Bieksa, and his fight with Fedor Fedorov in the parking lot. Um, so, yeah, look out for that. It's going to be coming by the time. This episode has come out. It will have come out on the Patreon. So, so much content for you folks. Yeah, we're yeah. Uh, we're we're really ramping these things up. Uh, ever since I just kind of gave up on doing anything else, so uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's gone well. But uh, yeah, uh, send your hate mail to um... uh, send your hate mail to uh, Borden Jateman. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that sounds good. All right. Bye. <laughs>